Good morning. I'm Karen Audubonny. Going to have a great morning. All right. Um, here in the studio with me, I'm going to get him on the air. Matt Kendall. Good morning, Karen. How are you? I'm doing good. It's a little bit chilly this morning coming over the hill. You had some fog up there on 253, didn't you? Had a little fog, and yesterday morning had just a little bit of ice at the house. Did you really? Yeah, I put on my uh, put on my Crocs and went out to feed the livestock. My daughter got me a pair of camouflage Crocs, <laughs> and I pulled that fashion fupa. I went right back in the house and put on socks and Crocs because my feet got a little cold. Have you had your first fire this year? Do you have wood stove? You have a wood stove, but we haven't built a fire yet. It, it, the coldest day, it was so blasted windy. I didn't want to build a fire. Yeah, I know. I, it's kind of freaky out there, isn't it? It's yeah. still, we're still, it's getting cold. It's a little bit of moisture, but everything is so damn dry. So I wanted to catch up with Matt. He hasn't been on the air <clears throat> for a while. I can't remember why, the last time he was on. But I just want to do some lightweight catch up with what's going on. Um, we'll open up the lines at the end of the hour to let you guys come in with some questions for him. But so it's been a, been an intense year. We didn't have a lot of fires, but the last one was the big Hobbs fire, Hobbs fire. That one you were there and at, and we've watched some houses burn. Um, I guess the one thing I wanted to ask was, how's it going with the emergency services with Brant and um, getting the word out and with all the alert systems and stuff? How are you feeling about it from the sheriff's aspect? I think that we're doing a pretty good job there. We've got um, we, we've moved more a little further into public awareness type thing where we're we're just asking for people to have situational awareness. Sometimes the public gets a little upset that they didn't get the notification immediately in the beginning. But those notifications, when we first put those out, they are very specific to an area where we are asking people to do something. We are asking them to be ready or we are asking them to evacuate now. We are asking them. And so when my when my supervisor arrives on the scene, he immediately draws a mox with the uh, with the fire incident commander and that box is, uh, they give out the, the roads, they give out, you know, the directions, and they say, you folks inside this box, you need to be alerted immediately, and this is what we're asking for you to do. And then, as the issue progresses on, either it collapses down and gets smaller, or it gets larger. Then we start putting together those shape files and using the uh, zones because it takes a little bit of time to get folks in, too. So the incident commander on scene, he's the first one. Sometimes we wind up having to call in extra dispatchers. Sometimes, you know, my front office staff winds up uh, having to go over to dispatch and sit in at one of the chairs over there to hand out information as fast as what the calls come in. Um, I think that we've gotten ahead of a lot of these different things. There was a time when people were a little bit upset because they didn't understand that uh, some of the... Uh, Alert and warning messaging that went out. I mean, we're not a news source. Um, I got calls from people who absolutely weren't anywhere close to anything, wanted to know why they hadn't been notified. Yeah. And that's where <clears throat> our local radio stations, such as yourself, KYBU and Covalo, they are our PIO partners. And you guys are helping us to get that information out in rapid succession and get it out clearly across a lot of different platforms. We're using Nixle, we're using Everbridge, we're using uh, the Mendo Alert, we're using our PIO partners with KZYX and the local radio stations. And Yeah, it's just, I think 
things have progressed with the Internet, with Facebook, with uh, everybody wanting instant information. I mean, years ago, you'd see the smoke and you'd go, oh, my God, and then you'd call neighbors or just be on the lookout for it. Um, I think we've gotten um, to a part, to a place in our society where we want everything instantaneously. And I do a good shout-out to you guys. I mean, you've been using Facebook really well. I like this the term situational awareness. Yes. That's a really good term because you don't want people showing up. You want to know that there's a fire in the area, and you want to avoid it, just like there's a traffic accident. You want to avoid it. So I really like that, and I appreciate getting to know what's going on. And if you see smoke, you know, you can find out. Um, good. I'm glad to hear it's working out better. And I think every time we use these systems it gets a little smoother is what i'm seeing yeah and nothing is perfect um yeah. you know the topography in mendocino county does not allow uh, for like where i live i don't get cell signal at home unless i'm out in one specific pasture behind my house standing next to a specific fence post um and holding your tongue just right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> seriously. No, I mean, seriously, I'm in the same situation. Yeah, you know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, but I applaud you for doing that. Um, I also wanted to give you another shout out. I know you've been, well, it's been an interesting year. You've been going dancing around with the Board of Supervisors. Um, and I don't know if anybody reads about it, but I follow it. You know, I read the budget. I watch the meetings like I tell everybody. And, and, um, And I've been talking to the supervisor about it. They've been hitting you hard on the budget because over the last many years, you're always over the the sheriff's department, not you personally, but the sheriff's department, even under Tom Allman, under Tony Craver, which I've been watching for years. um, It's always over budget, and it's always been over budget because of the overtime. You can't predict overtime. You can't predict how many murders you're going to have in one year and all that. So, uh, for the, for some reason this year, the CEO's department really came down hard on you. And last week, or not last week, it was the 5th of October, you were asked to do a presentation about your budget to the board. Um, it was excellent. Can I say your, um, your physical officer underneath, I can't remember their name, Bru- uh, Brewster? My undersheriff's Darren Brewster. And then Brewster, our yeah. Fi- our fiscal manager was uh, Juanita Dryling. They did an excellent job. She broke it down so well for this board to understand what is involved in putting together your budget. I encourage anybody who's curious, you can either go to the agenda for October 5th on the website, uh, the county's website, and pull down that particular presentation presentation which breaks it down into really easy terms to understand she did a it was like a budget workshop kind of thing after the fact it was really well done and i think um i would hope that the other department heads would take that as an um as a way to communicate to the supervisors because we've got new supervisors how the budget happens with each within each department. So I applaud you and your department for that. It was really well done. Thank, oh, thank you. you. No, Matt, it was really well done. Um, I was actually going to suggest, if I know on your website uh, for the county, put it up. I mean, really, that might be something that people could go to the sheriff's website and see where the budget happens and what it does. Um, I am a little concerned, and I will keep on the supervisors about it. I'm a little concerned that... Um, uh, $1.3 million of PG&E one-time money was thrown into your budget this year to help balance it, and that's not going to be available next year. So I've, I'm going to stay on top of that. <laughs> How's that? I'm going to stay on top of it also. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, I think it's good for the supervisors to know where the money is being spent, why it's being spent, and a good, clean, crisp 
understanding budget. So I applaud you. Well, thank you. And, and go back and tell your people it was really great, too, please. I was really well informed. Um, okay, so that's the budget thing. Just wanted to touch on that. But one of the things I know that's been an issue, and I'd just like you to address shortly, is um, staffing. You're down 15%, and I know you've got people coming in and out with injuries, and you've had to deal with COVID. How are you doing with staffing? Staffing, we're at historically low numbers. Only one other time in my career have I seen numbers this low, and that was in the mid-'90s. Damn. But... I was recently having a discussion with all the Northern California sheriffs, um, Sheriff Hansel from Humboldt, uh, Sheriff Saxon from Trinity. I speak with those fellas on a pretty constant basis. We actually have a weekly meeting where I try to make it at least once a week. And uh, our numbers are reflective of numbers across the entire state. Uh And when COVID shut down police academies, you know, we have to have new people coming in on a pretty constant basis because we have people retiring on a pretty constant basis. And, uh, you know, we had a, a great big surge of retirements at one point in my career where, you know, the um, veterans who had been picked up by police departments all over the United States following the Vietnam conflict, um, that group of guys was retiring uh, in the mid-90s. And um, following that, we, we got historically known low numbers again. But COVID, when it shut down the police academies across the state, the highway patrol is suffering. Um, and every sheriff's office, every police department is suffering. And all of a sudden, it's created this vacuum that now police departments and sheriff's offices are grabbing you know, from each other. Wow. And it's based on bonuses. It's based on hiring bonuses. It's based on salaries. The young folks that we're getting today are not like the young folks um, when I started 30-some-odd years ago. Um, and they are not as grounded in one location as what we were. And, and I think it's all of us are much more mobile than what we were 30 years ago. Uh, travel has become easier. Um, my vehicle that I travel in, believe it or not, it hasn't broke down on me uh, while I'm driving down the highway yet. And I couldn't say that in 1989. Uh, my Toyota or my Datsun pickup truck was was constantly throwing a belt or, or yeah. you know, uh, people are more mobile now. And I, I think that that shows in the way that these young folks jump from department to department and they're not exactly tied to an area. Now, we've been reaching out to everyone that we possibly can in our area. Um trying to get the locals who want to stay here. I'm a local. I'm going to, you know, my goal is to have my birth certificate, my marriage certificate, and my death certificate all to save Mendocino County on them. I want to stay here for the rest of my life. And I know that there's a lot of folks who do also. I've got a couple of good buddies of mine who have these kids that are DACA kids. We've been reaching out to these young folks. Um, Hmm. They are attending university, doing a lot of different things because their parents are telling them, we brought you to the United States for education. Once you get your education, hey, you can do as you please. We want to be able to help them to get their citizenship. My uh, 
my hiring person uh, in charge of professional standards, he grew up in Israel. And so he had to get his citizenship. So who better to help these young folks than a guy who's been through the process? That's great. That's really great to know. Huh? That's great. Doesn't the JC and Mendocino College, Junior College, don't they have some um, education and some stream, some programming for getting into criminal law and getting you into the force? They do. And um, I've been working with the Mendocino College as well as several of our tribes where we're going to start training uh, tribal officers and sheriff's office together on those what they call the pomo pathway through mendocino college okay and that's going to be very helpful to all of us because you know a lot of our tribes are now employing uh, tribal police right myself um sheriff hansel are both on uh, tribal affairs division at california state sheriffs um, and one of the things that we've been pushing for is education 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 of tribal police to get them up to post standards so they can have a standard police department in the exact same fashion that we have a standard sheriff's office or a standard Ukiah police department, standard Willis police department. And those young folks who grew up, you know, I've I've had a lot of those young folks work for me at the sheriff's office. They are not leaving the area because their home is in Covalo. That's where they've been for a millennium. You know, Uh, their family is there. We're going to start hiring these young folks and, that education leading them into tomorrow, working with us, and then, you know, if they stay with the tribe, hey, that's wonderful. A good public servant working for them or working for me is still a good public servant yeah. in Mendocino County. Yeah, and the diversity is great, too. Yeah. to have that in, too, yeah. I know you don't have the force to do it, but it'd be great to get some of the retired sheriff guys out into the schools talking it up, too, starting the high schools and stuff and get yeah. the kids. I mean, we got to look local. We can't bring them in, folks. It, you need We need people that are local, that understand the community, that love the community and want to be here. Um so anyway, my guest is Matt Kendall. I'm Karen Audubonny, and we're telling you how much that we appreciate coming to you. I really do enjoy doing this show. I know I talk about all the work I do, but it's a big part of me giving back to the community, being involved in the community, and making sure that we have the most informed people in our community because it's community folks this is us this is the county and as matt's talking about we need to keep our communities together and safe so um i had a whole list of topics you're getting um you've been kind of getting slammed in covalo i mean um we just had another murder victim up there right yeah, Covalo has been a lot of work lately. It really has, and we've had more murders, I think, this year or the last six, seven, eight months. Than it just seems like it's gone up. I mean, you know the records. I don't know the numbers, but oh my goodness, it's just been crazy. Well, last month we had three, and that was put it? us. Oh my it God. put us right on the brink of not being able to get much done. And oh you know, my God, it's just been terrible. All of those things affect the budget. We only have so many detectives. <laughs> they, Here we go back to the money stuff. It's well, true. It, it's it true. Does. I know it is very true. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I hate to say it, but uh, homicides don't occur on bankers' hours. Um, <laughs> no. And so. Or on budgetary schedules. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so we've got to investigate those things. And even the easiest, simplest homicide on the face of the earth, where you show up and a fellow is standing there with a smoking gun saying, <laughs> I did it, is going to run me over $100,000 by the uh, time that we get done with the court hearings and the overtime paying. Paying for these deputies and these officers to sit in court. To testify. Investigators, the whole nine yards. The whole nine yards. Because Mm -hmm. on those cases, especially if they go to trial, 
everybody has to show up. You know, if you were there, the 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 uh, the district attorney is always going to put together the tightest case that he possibly can, um, and. It's an expensive endeavor, but it's one that we have to do. We've got to do it if we're going to keep our community safe. So the whole issue with uh, illegal marijuana, I, I go back to the years when we had camp and comet. And then it got worse up in Covalo, maybe in the National Forest up there, Mendocino National Forest, where they'd go in and pull out 35,000, 15,000. They'd do these big... Uh, raids with the it was a collaborative event i don't remember who all was in on it but it's uh, each department had some of its state federal and you guys that's not happening anymore we don't have camp and common anymore do we you i know you got some federal money or state money to help has it really helped i see reports out of the cannabis compliance division mm-hmm. uh about the smaller stuff they're doing but i haven't seen any reporting about the big stuff could you catch us up on what's really going on with the big stuff or is it going on it's going on um recently with my numbers dropped i had to pull some guys out of investigation so that has slowed down but we have seized more marijuana this year um both plants pounds the whole nine yards than what we have in years past and we still aren't even scratching the surface because we're dealing with a problem that grew exponentially with the exact same number of deputies who have been working it for years um two basically uh we've got two and a part-timer who were assigned to the marijuana unit and uh we had to um well for lack of better terms pull them off to put them on patrol when we had a couple of injuries we had that homicide that occurred up in Leggett, um and the deputy who responded to it he broke his leg in the uh, in the uh, marijuana grow um it's those types of things where when we're strapped for personnel the way that it always works is that investigation supports patrol it's not the other way around. Support can support cannot go from patrol to investigations because patrol is what serves you, me, right. the folks who pick up the phone and call on a Thursday afternoon that there's something terrible going on. So we have to keep those patrol slots filled because we've got to keep coverage. If you don't have coverage, next thing you know, everything starts to go off the rails. Crap happens. Yeah. So what's going on with getting uh, government money in, getting some of the state money and federal money in like they used to to bring in the troops? Is that happening at all? Uh, Senator McGuire. He just threw some, they just got us some money, but it seems like it's a little late in the season, but maybe well, not. I mean, considering it's greenhouses now versus having, you know, 30,000 plants on terraced things in the wildlife, in the in the national forests. Um, yeah, it, it's going to help, but I've got to get the personnel to be able to oh, spend yeah, it. Yeah. And I've leaned in on the state. Uh, the state has got the Division of Cannabis Control. Right. And, you know, basically several years ago, DOJ was pretty much shut down. Department of Justice, they had Bureau of Narcotics Enforcement, and that kind of went by the wayside. Now they're finding out that they're going to have to rebuild that a little bit. I was speaking with their supervisor, and they're going to ramp up on officers this year and begin taking on um, some grow sites. And before, they were just working kind of in Southern California, working on uh, sales and whatnot. And so this year, I'm hoping that we can get a contingency of those folks up into Mendocino County. And we are not the least bit interested in going after anybody that is legal. 
I mean, because yeah, no, the, um, this is not, we're all talking. I always talk about the illegal. I mean, I, I appreciate the people that are trying to get legal. It's a hell of a process. I don't want to talk about the process. Yeah. I'm more concerned about all the greenhouses and stuff. But so rather than throwing money, they need to help. They need to start throwing some bodies at us. Yeah, That's what I'm gonna hearing. Have to have some bodies. We need some bodies from the feds and the state and the National Guard. Maybe I mean, didn't they used to bring in the National Guard? We still use National Guard assets, but a National Guardsman cannot write a report. He cannot write a search warrant. Uh, okay. He can chop okay. down plants and be a yeah. and, and be a good worker, be but he can't seize evidence, and uh. so. You know, we have a maximum limit that we can do in a year, just like you can only get five gallons of water in a five-gallon <laughs> bucket. Um, when you've only got two guys, there is a maximum that you can do, and we have outperformed years past by a long shot. It's just that we – the problem is so much bigger. Yeah, it's just there's so much out there. But, yeah, well, I'm glad to hear we're beating it down some, and maybe it's – I don't know – Hopefully, I know there's gangs and there's these mobs involved and stuff. Hopefully, some of these big busts will scare them out of the county, but I don't know. They're pretty ballsy. Well, they're really ballsy, I have to say. But. The other thing is, we are at the perfect time to start dealing with this because now that the legal market is taking a toehold, that is a portion of what's going to get rid of the illegal market. Yes. I, I mean, when you have a Jack Daniels factory um, somewhere in the South, People are not making liquor in the bathtub because you can go to a grocery store and buy it. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. That's very true. So, All right, let me just take a minute again to let everybody know you're listening to KZWX and Z. I'm Karen Audubonny. This is TKO. My guest is the Mendocino County Sheriff, Matt Kendall. Um, so, Matt, um, thanks for the update on the pot. I mean, it's just going to be a continuing issue that you have to stay on, but it's nice to know we need bodies as well as money on the whole thing. Um, how's it going with the jail and COVID? Is yeah. that is it that was really tough. I mean, COVID numbers are still up, but it seems like it's more in the general. I haven't heard anything about it lately, but you guys got slammed for a while there. Oh, we did. We you did. Got bad. Um, and what it was going on was we were having to use the uh, PCR testing. Yeah. Um, and that was, yeah. that was taking... You know, in some cases, up to nine days to get results. Oh, wait, that's not the quick test. That was no, so we went it. to the okay. Binex now, the rapid test. Okay. And in no time whatsoever, we had it under control because we had results back in 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And we were making uh, the moves previously based on um, no symptoms. And there are so many people who are carrying this around who are just asymptomatic. Um, yeah. And when you think about it, the jail is not a true... Um, representation of the general public. Correct. We have no one under the age of 18 and very few people over the age of 55. Oh, and really? so, okay. you know, we've got this, we, 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 we've got this little section of the public and a lot of those folks are in that age group where they just don't show symptoms. And when we tested them, a lot of them are absolutely surprised. Oh, I have COVID. That's funny. I don't feel any different than I did any other day of the week. And so when we began catching those immediately at the door, we've got a good quarantine system so that it doesn't go through the mods. Um, yeah. and, and we get people with COVID in every week. But we catch it right at the door. We make sure that they're taken care of and treated, and we make sure that they don't mix and mingle. And that's what helped us get ahead of that. But, I mean, they're coming through the door, you know, on a weekly basis. Yeah, and it's all, I have to say, folks, listen, it's all in the science. Our science has progressed around this COVID mess. I know everybody wants to say, oh, they keep changing the, the protocols, and they keep changing this and that. Well, that's because the science is getting better, and the science is getting on top of it, and it's allowing us. We didn't have these rapid yeah. tests a year. 
year and a half ago. Come on, this is great. And I've heard these rapid tests that you can get even out of the uh, drugstores are very accurate. Yes. I have a friend in the Valley who had one, and it was like, oh, my God, got tested, popped right there at home. So that's good to know. And then as far as the jail goes, you guys have got a really great garden program going on, too. Can you? That, I saw the pictures of it. He's smiling. It must be fun. It oh, is. We've it got some great. exciting stuff going on yeah, in the jail. Yeah, tell me about it. So... Our old inmate services coordinator decided that he was, and he's a good buddy of mine, but he went off, um, went to work for uh, Tribal Health. A little more money, you know, he's raising a family. And uh, we took on a new uh, inmate services coordinator. And this, I'll go ahead and throw her name out there. It's Kate Fagan, who's worked for the college for years and years and done a lot of different things. She's bringing in some new and exciting kind of, well, I say it's new and exciting, but it's actually kind of a back-to-basics thing. We're looking at the prison monastery model. And when I say that, believe it or not, uh, the history of incarceration, um, a lot of it was more of a monastery than a prison. And people would come in and reflect on themselves and their, for lack of better terms, their sins. And they would, you know, do some atonement for their sins. And, and, uh, and they would do something productive every day. And... The garden, the bees, these things that we're doing. Aren't they making bread also? Oh, yeah, they're making bread. I mean, uh, they're learning skills. This yeah. is incredible. You get them out in the dirt and the sun and the... It, this is, I mean, this is what you call restorative. Or, yeah, exactly. It's you know, restorative it's, it's, justice. Yeah, it's, this is a, I am so pleased with this happening. You just, uh, I can sound in my voice. I am just so happy about this. As am I. And and the other thing that it actually helps with is everybody on earth wants to get up and do something productive every day. It actually makes the jail easier to run because people are in a good mood. People are looking forward to going outside, working on this, working on that, going up to the kitchen, learning a trade. It's these types of things. Now, COVID has been tough on us because we've had to shut some of that down and go back into the planning phase. But the nice part is it gave us time to put in place plans for when we get completely through this, then we can hit the ground running. And, you know, a lot of the little things that we're doing with the garden project and things like that, it's also saving money. Yeah, I mean, and it's getting them good, healthy food. I can't wait till you get a construction thing going on where they can build sheds and stuff like that. Um, one of this, when I first came to Anderson Valley, there was the um, schools for juvenile delinquents mm-hmm. where they were in, pretty much incarcerated, but they were in the country. It was their last step to go into juvie hall, and they had a project there where the kids learned how to build sheds, mm-hmm. and then they'd sell them to the mm-hmm. community. You know, um, so they learn a craft. I mean, I think that's just that's just a great project. Well, one of the other things, yeah. everybody who knows me knows that I am an insane chicken farmer. I can't I have know, enough I, chickens. <laughs> and uh, we're looking at, uh, you know, getting that project with the college to build a chicken tractor out there. And so oh, that we can also great. have some chickens inside the perimeter. Um, and, and, you know, kids who grew up farming, ranching, things like that. When you wake up in the morning and you're responsible for something just a little more than just yourself, you learn responsibility, and I think I just think it's a good thing. And we're moving in the right direction on this. I feel good about it. We're also working directly with probation to make sure that any needs that probation has start inside the jail. They meet their probation officer while they're still in jail. There isn't. We need to have a warm handoff when they leave where some folks have got a place to go. They know what they should be doing. They know what programs they should be taking. And I think that we're going to have a much better outcome three, four, five years from now because 
there's no mystery when they're walking out the door, and we're not making homeless people then. Right. Yeah. Well, I applaud the programs, and I've seen it online. You guys post it on Facebook occasionally. I see it, and it just it warms the cockles of my little heart to see that happening. All right. Um, so, Matt, when we're talking about working with people and getting them into good positions with the jail and, and moving out of the jail and having a place to go, maybe getting some experience. God, that'd be so great. I mean, we need electricians and plumbers, just the, the, the workers we need in this county to be trained. That, that could be a real incentive to get folks into a lifestyle that's more healthy. So mental health, I know that's been a big interaction with you, and I know there's a lot going on with the mental health for Mendocino County and Measure B and sending mental health workers out with the sheriff's department or Mm -hmm. instead of sending the sheriff out, sending out mental health workers. I'm not really on top of the programs and stuff that are happening. I know there's incentives that are doing it, and I know they're trying to get it done. Is how's it, is it, are you in the process of doing that? Is it happening? Yes, is it we've, working? Got, we've got one young lady that's working out of the sheriff's office okay. with a deputy, you know, for an entire week, for an entire shift for a week. They're working on setting them. Another subject in uh, over on the coast, our goal is, you know, it's one of those things where it's feast or famine. We want to work with the Ukiah Police Department mm-hmm. and that whole inland area. We want to make sure that that's covered. The coast, we want to make sure that's covered and eventually have one in the north. And this is with a mental health worker. Yes, with okay. a mental health right. worker. When a deputy sheriff goes out to a location, he is not a counselor. He is not a therapist. He is. And so when we looked at this, he shows up with a very small bag of tools, very yeah. small bag of tools, and he's kind of stuck trying to fix what he can fix. These folks show up, and if a person is not in crisis, <clears throat> excuse me, but is heading that way, they've got a great big bag of tools to keep them from going into crisis. And deputy sheriffs, we aren't counselors, but we're really good at keeping people safe. And my whole point has been uh, with with behavioral health, we're working really well with them. We want to go with you. We can't go for you because it's not fair to the deputies to try to put them in a counselor role. It's not fair to the victim um, to have a deputy sheriff show up with a pair of handcuffs and a badge instead of the proper tools that he needs. And so this partnership is working out really well. And I think that as we progress into this, and it's just like anything else, when you start off, you will find that there are things that don't come into mind. Topography, the amount of time it takes to get someplace in Mendocino County. Um, when a person is transported, we're getting those caged cars for those young ladies and, and young men who are going to be doing this. And when we have someone who's just not a dangerous subject, they won't have any problem transporting if If the subject is dangerous, deputy will transport them. But they're also building relationships with these folks to figure out what they need and how to meet those needs before they kind of digress into that. Until it escalates. Yeah. Escalates, yeah. Into the yeah. 5150 realm. Yeah. I mean, that's what I've always thought. I've always been uh, – This is. I've always thought so many times the – sheriff and the police departments are put in a position where they shouldn't be i mean when you show up and you have somebody mentally on the edge and you show up with a badge and a gun and handcuffs that's just going to trigger them more i mean that you need to decharge it and that's that's a whole different skill set in a lot of ways and a whole different need so i'm really glad to hear that's happening on the county too i can't wait till we get more going on with that i mean that's going to save your deputies yes and it's going to save the population and and it's going to be treated Treating the 
the client, I guess you would call them, or whatever you call the person in the crisis. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's going to be treating them with the, what they need, I think, better. So. And, and meeting them halfway yeah. keeps yeah. them from going into crisis. Yeah, and I've always thought it was so inappropriate for the 5150 and the people who are having mental issues and those kind of issues to be put in the jail system because you're not a psychiatric facility. You're not a mental health facility. It just has always seemed so doggone inappropriate. Yeah. So, good. Well, that's a good catch-up. So, so, Matt, how do you feel about opening up the lines? Let's do it. We could do it. But I have one more question I have okay. to ask. There's just because I have to do it. Because it's just been, it's like it's getting to be this backlands um, mystery. Redbeard. 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 Okay, so folks don't know about it. Um, here in the 5th District, kind of Albion, Elk area, you've probably been seeing it on Red on uh, Facebook. Uh, we've got this guy that's running around in the woods, being a back to, he's being like a survivalist, but he he's breaking into people's houses to kind of survive. Live, I mm-hmm. think um, he made the mistake of firing off a shot at a deputy, which was really, really dumb. Um, but he's still out there, and, and you guys have put a lot of money and effort into catching this dude. But he seems like he's just—he's got campsites and stuff. So I know a few people are worried. Some people are like, "Well, I'll leave food out for him," mm-hmm. you know, like <laughs> a stray dog. Uh, where you, what, what's going on with it? Uh, we're still working on that case almost every day of the week. Really? But we're doing it quietly. Okay. Um, and so, you know, we had a meeting in, uh, in Elk a while back. And, of course, all the locals know... Um, all the locals know when we're there, yeah. even when we're not in patrol cars. Um, and we explain to them the steps that we're taking. Uh, we realize that he is still in the area. Um, he's kind of got a history of this. Uh, he was... Um, Actually, in Arizona, doing something similar years ago. Really, uh, he Didn't spent know that. some spent some time uh, out here in one of our state prison camps, and I think that that's where he realized what a beautiful place Mendocino County was. Uh, but we're still working on the case on a daily basis, and we're trying to do it as safely for him and as safely for these deputies as what we possibly can. We do not want an armed conflict, but he is going to go into custody yeah. when we run into him, um, and we're going to do it on our terms, not his. Um, he will have to make a decision whether he wants to give up or whether he wants to run or whether he wants to fight. But we will make we will make uh, our decisions on how we deal with that when it occurs. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I'm hoping I hope it is an easy or a, a clean and nonviolent resolution. Um, I hope it's not a cop by death type of thing. But um, it does seem like he wants to be out in the woods doing his thing, and I. I don't know if anybody knows about the mental status, but yeah. So anyway, okay, well, that's that's happening. I know people in the coastal area area have been kind of monitoring it and that kind of stuff. So, But I'm going to open up the phone lines for you to have a question of our um, sheriff, Matt Kendall, here with me today. Um, Let me see. Those phone lines would be 895-2448. Um, and we'll see about getting a few callers in so you have access to our sheriff. Okay, here we go, Matt. Good morning, caller. You're on the air. Okay. Hello. Hello, hello. Yes, you're here. Okay, so I have a question. Yes, your question is. Yes, my question is, given uh, Matt Kendall's budget issues, why is he suing the county? I don't understand why he, why he's suing the county and... It's taking money from the county um, to represent him and so forth. I don't understand. Can you ask him to elaborate? Yeah, we'll do that. I know a little bit about that, but we'll ask him to elaborate. Thanks for the call. Thank you. 
All right. Okay. So. Well, this is one of those odd things where. It is odd. The fact of the matter is, uh, first off, I have never said that I was suing the county. Uh, That's true. You're not suing the county. I'm not suing the county. I've simply asked for an attorney um, because I believe that there was a couple of overreaches by the board. um, And the government code section that basically said that they would hold me personally accountable for an underfunded budget uh, to the tune of $1.4 million when I'm simply trying to serve the public. Um, and that didn't sit well with me. So I asked for an attorney. Now, everybody keeps saying that Matt Kendall is suing the county. I've never mentioned that. I've simply asked for an attorney. We've had a couple of different legal opinions provided by county council that were actually polar opposite to each other. And I believe that a legal opinion should be based on the law, not based on what people want him to say. So I think I'll go with my own attorney on that one, and I'll see what the law truly is. Yeah, it's been an interesting back and forth, and I will say I've been watching this closely. Matt Kendall is not suing the county. He was asking for an opinion that um, because it was kind of off. I was I watched the board meeting where this statement came down from it came from the assistant CEO. Um, it was Darcy Ansel that said, oh, by the way, any department head who's over budget, the state law says we can make them pay for it. And that's not just Matt Kendall. That's any elected official. That would be that would be David Eister in uh, the DA's office. That would be the auditor, the treasurer. So any department head who's elected and they go over budget. And the other reason it raised flags for me is because, as I have been watching the budgets for years and years and years, the sheriff's department has always been underfunded by about yeah. $1.5, $1.1 for all the overtime. So that's kind of what happened. Um, and it sounds like after you had this great budget meeting and stuff, that particular issue seems to be resolved, except does the county have the ability to actually you know, physically hold department heads um, accountable. Uh, They've they've backtracked and said, well, we would never really do that, even though we could. I think it's kind of been their backtrack on that. Um, So anyway, and then the other thing was the IT department, which, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think these these were good questions to ask. Yes. I think these were important important questions to ask. Um, I'm not quite sure why all of a sudden under your administration they came up. Okay, let's leave it at that. Is that good? Yep. That's good. And when we're all done and said and done and it's all resolved, we'll have a more in-depth discussion about it. Okay, more calls. They're blinking off the hook. You can see that, can't you? All right, we're going to try another one. Good morning, caller. You're on the air with Matt Kindle. What is your question? Yes, I'd like to know what's being done with the Howard Hospital. It seems to me that we need a crisis intervention center. Hang on, I've got to turn off my radio. Wait a minute. That's not um, quietly his purview. Yeah, but $25 million in the bank. Yeah, we're but building a new facility for 12 beds. That makes no sense to me. Wait a minute. It wait a minute. No that's sense. that's not really. Howard Hospital for $3 to $5 million. Babe, that's, that's really not his venue. I know he knows a little bit about it, but that's not under the sheriff's department. So I'm going to bogus out and go to another call. Good morning, caller. You're on the air. Hello. Uh, hello. Thank you. Hello. You have My a name question? Is Brandon. We're yeah. from Laytonville, California, right here in Mendocino County. Oh, we know Laytonville. And uh, we have some comments and some questions about the, how the sheriff is running his operation. What's the questions? Uh, we've had lots of shootings this year, and we've had you know lots of non-enforcement. I know that the budget seems to be an issue with him regarding getting sued, you know, or him suing the county. 
I don't know how that's going to save money, but our question is, is what is he going to do about it? All right, because we'll do we're that. tired of sitting here getting bamboozled. Thank you. All right. Okay, lots of shooting up in Laytonville. Laytonville and Golo, the north area is Man, it's like the wild, tough. wild west yeah. up there. Well, we had that homicide that occurred up there just north of Laytonville, yeah. and uh, we were able to get that subject in custody too sweet. Um, and, you know, it's one of these things where we're just going to have to get more personnel to keep on for it. Okay, so it's all in personnel, basically. Yeah, it is. And uh, although we're getting the funding, so from is this the state, is this all? But is this all uh, pot related? Most of it is. Is it really pot related? So um, it's just the locals going at each other. It's is it not outside? the locals. It's, it's outside people. It's outside folks who have come to this county looking to uh, make a quick buck um, without a, you know, a, a, they didn't show up like the back to the landers did, where they had a thirty or a forty year plan to right. build a place. They showed up with a two year plan to make as much money as they could. And nothing was going to stand in that way. And not the environment, not human beings. It was, we're going to make as much money as we possibly can. And it brought things to this county that none of us want to see. So is, are the deaths locals being shot, or is it the workers being shot? It, I uh, just It's kind of a mix of both? It's a it's mix of both. But, uh, you know, the, the the latest one was not a local. The one previously over in... Uh, in uh, Laytonville, where that deputy broke his leg, that yeah. was not a local. local. Um, it's brought, you know, we're doing a lot of investigations for people who have come from out of the area and succumbed to violence. Well, and it seems like there's a lot more, well, I don't know. There used to be, back in the 80s and the 90s, it was more fist fights and chains and knives, and it seems like it's upped it to guns and gunplay right oh, now. Yeah. So, so do you have a, a resident deputy up in Laytonville? What's the uh We don't have a resident the- deputy in Laytonville. Our coverage right now is pretty low. We don't have a resident in Covalo either. We're right. covering that out of the main stations in Willits, and you know the south coast is covered via Fort Bragg, and then we've got Central, and then we're sending units back and forth on a daily basis out of Central to cover the uh, the holes in, in, in the schedule. We recently uh, went before the Board of Supervisors to put together a big bonus package for specifically for the South Coast and Covalo because that's where our re- response times are the worst because uh-huh. the distance involved. Right. And so we're trying to hire for resident deputies in those areas. If I could ever get my schedule completely full, we would actually have better coverage than having resident deputies because we would have, you know, a couple of folks assigned 24-7 to the South Coast and a couple of folks assigned 24-7 to Covalo. And that's actually a much better coverage than having somebody live there, but on their days off, they're often gone. So, yeah. All right. So I'm going to ask this just because um, I live rurally and the response time to my place is long, as yeah. you know, personally. Um, what do you say to people that are out in the hills like me and like the people in Laytonville and they're seeing more gunplay and more bad characters in the community? What do you, what do you, what do you suggest we Exercise do? more situational awareness. Right okay. off the get-go, pay attention to everything that's going on around your place. Okay. If you do have to call 911, you need to be able to take care of yourself until a deputy, a peace officer can get there. And that's a, an important thing. You've got to have a plan for taking care of yourself and your family. Now, there are some things that are not risk-free endeavors. If you're dealing with drug cartels, that is not a risk-free endeavor. If you're growing marijuana and you're involved in that world, that is not a risk-free endeavor. There's a lot of things where... People often put themselves in risk, not even realizing that they are. 
and you know it's no different than driving way too fast on a dirt road or any road for that matter some things are just not risk-free by themselves so if you live on a dirt road and you see somebody you don't know, get their license plate number, get the description of the car, get the descriptions ahead of time so yep. if anything comes down, it does it and that kind of stuff. Yep. So I see about the situation. And just be aware of who, who your neighbors are and what's yeah. going on. Yeah, it's it's um living in the hills can be an interesting challenge. Not only fire, but now we have all this random, you know, illegal activity going on, especially in the much more rural areas, Covalo and Laytonville. All right, we're going to get another caller on here. Caller, you're on the air. Hello, hello? Hello. 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 You're on the air. That, oh, thank you. Yeah, sorry about that. Turn off my radio. Sorry. Yeah, I do um, turn off ah. the radio. I'm, well, I've been wondering if you could ask the sheriff if he's planning to run next year. Oh, is it just next year? See, I haven't been keeping track. I will do that. Thanks for the call. Sure. Hey, Matt, you going to run next year? Yeah, I'm going to run. I haven't had... Uh, I, I've got a little bit of paperwork filed, but I have been so busy that I haven't been able to uh, really kick things off yet, but I will. Um, so it's next year you're up? Yeah, I've got okay. to run this Boy, that was a year. fast run. Yeah, that three years is... Wow, we'll we'll be bit... up on 2023. I've been in there for almost two now. Almost two years. Yeah, okay. Time flies. Boy, does it. it. You know, when it gets my age, it really flies. Okay, we're going to try for another question here. Good morning, caller. You're on the air. Let's try you. Hey, uh, thank you very much for the program. This is uh, John, uh, and uh, I teach uh, woodshop. I've uh, uh, been teaching woodshop for 40 years, and... Uh, uh, when I was doing the home show at, uh, Purdy Hall at, uh, the fairgrounds, uh, Sheriff Tom Almond, uh, came through the door and he came straight away to my booth. Uh, and I make, uh, furniture out of small diameter suppressed growth dug fur. And the sheriff, uh, you know, we had a conversation of the importance of vocational education and uh sheriff tom allman said to me at the end of the conversation said if you ever want to teach vocational ed at the mendocino county jail come and talk to me you know i've got a job for you uh and uh <laughs> i was uh teaching at river oak charter school at the waldorf school in mendocino i just didn't feel like i could really take that on at the moment, but now, you know, I'm in Kobolo, and I'm feeling like I would really like to set up a vocational training program through Yuki Trails and uh, get some of these uh, Native students, because when I was teaching at the high school there, you know, Tom East said there was more work coming out of my shop than any uh, vocational training program he'd seen. Unfortunately, they didn't renew my contract. Well, we'll need to see uh, about getting you involved with the sheriff's department because that sounds like just what we need is retired people stepping up to the plate to do this kind of stuff. Hey, thanks for calling in. That's a great idea. Yeah, okay. Sounds yeah, like, but Matt you. Matt just shook his head and he said he knows of you, so he'll be in touch. Oh, I know him. I grew yeah. up with his kids. That's great. That's a great. But this is what we need: is retired people stepping up to help train these these vocational. It's vocational training is basically what you need. Yep. And that's what gets them in there. So. All right. Well, we don't have much time left, so I think uh, we're going to maybe try to get in one quick call, see if this one is caller. Nope. Caller, are you there? Yeah, I'm right here. Got a quick question, real quick. 
All righty, all righty. Yes, your question is? Hello, yes. The question is, is what are we doing with the Board of Supervisors and the satellite imagery for enforcement of cannabis grows? All right, thanks. The murders are directly related to the law enforcement and the Board of Supervisors and all the bad actors and degenerates moving into the rural parts of the county. You got These it. folks need to do their job. Thank all right. you. Thank you. All right. So what is that? I haven't heard. I haven't followed up on the satellite imagery stuff going on. The uh, Code Enforcement Department is currently working on that. Are they? Um, I hadn't spoken with Trent in about a week. I know that he yeah. was on it uh, last month. I've got to kind of catch up and see where it's sitting at today. Yeah, i got to get Trent in. That's Trent... Uh, Trent Taylor. Taylor yeah. on. I've got his contact information. I've talked to him before about code enforcement because that's the part of the cannabis stuff I do is code enforcement. So anyway, we're coming up on the top of the hour, Matt. I can't thank you enough for coming over. And um, he stops by, so he's been by several times when I'm on the air. But he waves as he's going out the door because he delivers <laughs> eggs to the to, to the staff here, and he's always going by waving at me. So it was really great to get him in on the air. Any last comments you'd like to make? No, just I think uh, we covered a lot, man. You know, we've we've had a really tough year. Heck, we've had a really tough couple of years with fires and COVID and everything else. And as we come out of this, we need to all get back together because a lot of the glue that holds our county together, we haven't we haven't been with each other. The social it, yeah. distancing and everything else is as more people are getting vaccinated and this thing is dying down. Let's get back to being who we are. All right. Thanks, everybody. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.